Hey, good people, how we doing? Can I tell you something? One of my newfound favorite things to do is to be wrong. <laughs> it sounds weird, right? So many times in life, we build up these systems or rather walls uh, where we can never be wrong, where we always have to be right. But for me, realizing that there are worlds and dimensions and experiences and people and stories and libraries that I do not have in my brain or my possession or in my cognizance already. It feels like this, hmm, it feels like a superpower. It feels like being able to not know everything and being able to be wrong on some things expands my capacity. Because if I can go out and find the right answer, I've just become stronger. I've just become wiser. I've just become more open and more more honest to the world around me. So uh, in this episode today, I have someone who was uh, really helpful and instrumental in making me realize that not knowing everything was a superpower. And uh, she's going to come and tell some about some of her experiences and share with us. And a great person to talk to. You will definitely be blessed by it. So uh, I'll talk to you all later. Peace. Build a bridge to the point together. Like you're not trying to prove a point. You're trying to be like, hey, I care about you. Like, let me open your mind to something maybe you haven't thought of before or like recontextualize something that maybe like you only looked at from one perspective. So, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's get on right into it. Sure. How about that? So, good people, this is my friend for what? 17 years? 16, 17? A very long it. time. <laughs> I don't want to think about it either. <laughs> Whenever uh, I have some of my old school friends on, on the uh episodes they're like yo kyle stop saying how long you knew us you're putting an age on us <laughs> i'm like i'm glad this isn't a really good camera yeah. You got, you got, yeah. This, this is my good friend mariana Papas. mariana say what's up to good people hello my good people and kyle's good people how are you doing <laughs> it's great to be here it's so great to have you uh it's so great to reconnect um let's just start off with what you are doing now with what you're doing you know during covid um recent goings on all that well it's funny you ask because like i i find myself in a weird spot with that because i actually was laid off before covid hit so mm. i was already like hard bumming it and then everybody kind of got into the same boat that i was in like yeah fortunately <laughs> um so it, it was like a much easier transition i want to say because i was already like and to be fair to myself, I wasn't hard bumming it. I've been working on my personal stuff. I mm -hmm. have, you know, big dreams to start like a hand lettering chalkboard company. Um, nice. So I've been like constantly working on that. Um, but the fact of the matter is like, yeah, no, I've, I've been resting and recuperating. And that's really like the angle that I started with. Like when I got laid off initially, I was like, maybe this is the universe telling me to like chill out, slow yeah. down, re revisit all of the things that I haven't touched because um, not everybody knows this. I don't even know. You, you know this. I was in LA for six years and I, mm -hmm. the story of me coming back home is a wild one. Um, <laughs> you, but you, you, How long have you been back in New York? 
I have been back for a little bit more than two years now. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's it, it has been a slow and steady landing, but yeah. nonetheless, I've landed in a really good spot um, and been doing like a lot of personal growth in that time. So like COVID for me has about really being introspective on the ways that like I move in the world where my culpability is in, you know, where I ended up, especially in like my work situation, but also mm-hmm. in like my personal relationships and all of that. Um, and most of all, like giving myself an opportunity to rest. Um, and that's a big one for me is like, I was almost like, go, 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 go all the time because that didn't get me an opportunity to really like sit down and think. So, yeah, I love the idea, like, you know, and respect due to all the people who have lost people during this COVID pandemic and, and things of that nature, people who have dealt with mental health issues during this, um, my, my heart goes out to them. But for, for me, and it sounds like for you as well, this has been like a hard reset, like a, a realignment and a, a place to kind of reconfigure what life is about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in astrology, there's a concept called your Saturn return, and that's apparently mm. hitting us right now. So, like, from my <laughs> spheres, like, my family it was all about that kind of like weird hippie spirituality. So, that's the way they contextualize it, right? But yeah, mm-hmm. it's like we're at a point in our lives where it's like we really need to sit down and kind of think about, like, okay, who do I want to be going forward? Like, I've had all my fun, I've worn out all my kind of other avenues of yeah. just to put it frankly fucking around yeah yeah and set myself up for success in the future and i'm very much like still in the middle of that and i'm very much like i still don't know 100 percent what i'm gonna do and i learning to be okay with that not knowing wow is really important that actually is my week's self-worth self-work right? Just realizing it's cool to not know all the, th- all the time. It's yeah. cool to not know everything because then you open up yourself to growing, right? Yeah. Um, I, speaking of that, and we'll talk a little bit later about um, some of the things that you've taught me, but uh, I want, I, uh, last week, I believe, or the week before, uh, mm-hmm. we were on a Zoom call yes. with um, some of the heavy hitters of our middle school uh, we met in middle school mm-hmm. uh, i came in eighth grade i don't know what grade you came in were you i a, was a lifer honey i was you a, a lifer before wow yeah. so uh, f- for those of you who have listened to the podcast before talking about lrei uh, you might have heard the the various episodes that we've done people that come on and off old friends or new or you know friends in general um but yeah, don't one, of the, <laughs> one of the things that uh, just pierced my heart during the, and just to give a little bit of context, this meeting was with uh, the, what did he call him? The head, not the headmaster. The I mean, essentially, if you're thinking about the structure of a private school, yes, he is in yeah, the headmaster position. The headmaster. They call him like the director or something. The director. Like, that, that's what we we'll call yeah. yeah. It sounds so stuffy to say headmaster. We're not in Connecticut. Shout out to anyone who's from Connecticut. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the director of, of, of LREI and uh, the head of the Board of Trustees and all the alumni. And just to say, I have a, a different relationship with Phil because Phil my mom's an educator and Phil kind of had uh, a, a connect 
connection with her based off that. And I have a little bit of a soft spot for Phil just because of how he dealt with my mom. But everyone doesn't share that uh, that soft spot. (laughs) And the meeting was going, not to talk too long because I want Mariana to get in this, but the meeting was going so uh, mayonnaise and little, you know, square sandwiches, very like, cordial and you could almost hear the little violins playing in the background and then Mariana comes in and it's like well guess what <laughs> I don't think I had no idea that my mic was on <laughs> I opened my mouth I, I was I haven't participated much in like the alumni stuff they don't want me there I'm sure like you know and maybe they do mm-hmm. now but I'm sure they do now feel, yeah I, I I didn't feel welcome um for a, a number of reasons there but my friend Alec actually is the one who just like pop okay. sent me the link and was like yo check out this conversation that's happening right now and i just was tuning in wait 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 sorry to interrupt you so like moment universe moment so i sent alec the link there look at go. that <laughs> Everything trying to reach out to me exactly <laughs> oh excuse me yeah, yeah. but so go um on, please yeah i just showed up in this meeting and unbeknownst to me i didn't turn my mic off i thought it was one of those <laughs> situations that's like oh it's our it's automatically muted um, no, it wasn't. And I think Phil was going prattling on and on about something about, you know, oh, we're getting more like black and brown people in the doors. I'm like, well, we're having trouble. We're struggling with that. And I, I just blurted out, well, why do you think that is? <laughs> like talking to myself, talking to my partner in the room. Yeah. Um, and he heard me. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually it ended up sparking like a really important conversation. And, yeah. um, it was really necessary, Mariana, because I'll tell you what, before uh, you got there and before you uh, made that, that uh, serendipitous mistake, I guess, happy accident, um, it was, like I said, it was very kind of cordial and polite almost to the point where nothing was getting done. And it was, you know, well-meaning people because in order to show up, you got to have some type of, uh, of, you know, meaning to do well, good intention. But it was a lot of, I didn't never knew that this existed or, you know, what's going on? But these are people from, like, graduating yeah. in the 60s. It's a little bit 70s. of, like, Babby's first racism. Like, yeah. you, you, gotta, you gotta walk people through stuff and hold their hand. But exactly. at the same time, it's like, no, we're already at a point where the conversation is being had, the facts are on the table, and it's like, it felt to me that, like, you weren't actually addressing any of the real comments that were coming out of, like, Black and LREI yeah. and the actual testimonies and stories. It was very much, like, all the ceremony around that, like yeah. we're asking the right questions, but we're like, you know, it's, and that's, that kind of speaks to my experience too, because a lot of what I went through was like, oh, let's not really talk about what's really going on with you, but you know, let's put you through the ringer anyway. Yeah. And, yeah so let's get into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's start with uh, the point that you made about the economic disparities, and then we'll work our way out because I think that is the core of so much, yeah. right? Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about what your point was in, in talking uh, in that meeting, and then we'll work from there. Well, there's a concept right in, in activism called intersectionality, right? And mm-hmm. a part of being honest and having an honest conversation about it is, you know, essentially making sure that you're, you're being frank about who's perpetrating these kinds of like negative acts against the the black and brown people of color community. And what it comes down to is like, you're working with a very specific slice of kids and it's not just that they're white kids. 
it is that they are affluent white kids. Yeah. And the fact that like we want to skirt around the fact that money is involved, you're kind of ignoring like a whole swath of this concept of intersectionality, right? And how, you know, all different dynamics come into play. So that's really where I was coming from is like, you know, you can have an experience for me personally, like I'm very white passing and I very much because of my experience in that school assimilated into a lot of the things that I now am so grossed out by. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is like, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. So you're just- No, please ramble. ramble. (laughs) Listen, you, if you, you know, anyone who's listening, you know, I could talk for thousands of years. So, so we could go back and forth with it. I want to ask though, uh, well, I want to, there was one story in particular you told and, and it pierced me in a way because it was almost like, oh, what's that movie? The Captain Marvel movie, if you ever see it, and the, the person touches his head mm-hmm. and he just flies back into like this yeah. other dimension. And when you said it, it brought me back to so much. It brought up so much in me and I, and I had to turn off the screen on the Zoom because it was bringing up emotion. You talked about being in um, one of our student, one of our co-students' houses or their parents' house. And tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Say names if you want, don't, I don't care. We we could go go to war, we don't have to, I'm here for you. (laughs) I mean, I think it's more important for me to call out the experience, I'm not gonna focus on the names. So like that's that's what matters to me, right? So um, I was invited to a party, the entire grade was blanket, otherwise I didn't get invited to parties very much. Um, (laughs) but I got invited to this going away party for another student. Um, Mm -hmm. the student was friends of the owner of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were basically going there to say goodbye, wish her well, and hey, we'll see you the year after next. Um, I really had to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I (laughs) was, you know, hanging out, kind of milling around, sitting in the corner, talking to like my two friends that I had. And (laughs) I... Realize I really have to go to the restroom, knock, 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 like the two restrooms that are on the ground floor are both occupied. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go up to the mom and I, I very politely go, hey, excuse me. I know that, you know, we're only supposed to stay downstairs, but I just have to use the restroom. Can you just let me like pop upstairs to one of the upstairs restrooms? Um, and she kind of just looked at me. It was like, oh yeah, no, we're not going to be able to do that. Um, and I was just really confused because it's like, it's a toilet it works right yeah exactly um and i'm like i'm not gonna touch your shit i'm not gonna steal your shit like i'm 12 like what are you yeah suggesting (laughs) um so she looks at me and kind of very like patronizingly is like well honey we would let you into the rest of the house but we just don't want to really be judged for what we have wow yeah and that quote just wrecked me yeah, it, I mean, it wrecked me too as a kid and I got really upset and like it ruined my experience at that party because I was indignant. First of all, it's like so dumb. Yeah. Like, you think I haven't been to any other kid in this grade's houses? I don't see rich exactly. people's houses. And I thought it was really interesting that like the follow-up conversation to that that happened with Phil was like, oh, we're going to make sure the potlucks in the PAC now so rich, like poor kids don't have to see rich people's houses anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. not the point it's of not the story the, at exactly. all. It's like that pervasive attitude of like that creates a separation. And exactly. I felt that like throughout my whole school experience. And you know, when you're five years old, you don't really know what it is that makes you different, but you start to figure it out. Um, 
And I have had experiences from that age, like up through to when I actually was expelled yeah. that really would resonate. And I'm sure a million stories that would resonate with you. I can point to like an experience and this is like kindergarten memory, but mm-hmm. this is how far it goes back. This is how much it stings and how much you remember of these two distinct principal visit experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first one, I was in a shop class, which mm-hmm. you know, presents its own dangers. I yeah. didn't understand friction, right? Oh, mm-hmm. the blade gets really, really hot after the saw. I was fascinated by it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Everybody come here and touch the saw blade. <laughs> and I went around to a couple other peers in my class and they did. And they're like, oh, that's hot. That's weird. And then I finally turned to like one other student. Yeah. And he was a black student and he touched it and it cut his finger and the blood was everywhere. High drama. We, you know, get instantly swept away to the principal's office, the both of us. Yeah. Both of us. And I remember sitting there with this student and just being questioned incessantly, like whose fault was this? Whose fault was this? Whose fault was this? Till yeah. we were both in tears. In and in tears. kindergarten. In kindergarten. Our parents were not there. Wow. Were not there. And, you know, you have that one kind of moment. And you go, okay, that was really terrible and traumatic. But what created a juxtaposition for me was somewhere else down the line in my school year, there was a student who was kissing hands of all the girls in the class. And, hmm. you know, I was the weird one, right? So nobody's going to come up to me and ask to kiss my hand. Mm-hmm. But I went up to him being the bold bitch that I am. I was like, mm-hmm. no, you kissed my hand too. <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed my hand. He uh-huh. bit my hand. Oh, wow. He bit my hand. What a jerk. I know, right? Um, I mean, you're five years old and five-year-olds, we love them and they're precious, but they're also really stupid. So it's like, yeah. Uh, I, in the end of the day, I forgive that person. That's it. That's it. But I was sent to the principal's office that time and I had the blame kind of foisted on me and Mm. they believed the story of the other little boy more than they did me which was that I put my hand in his face and I tried to make him kiss me which is like okay no like yes but also like that's not the attitude I was coming from and does that mean that I deserve to be bit and I walked away from that experience feeling like I was the one who did something wrong yeah for kind of you know and like the question never came up, well, why is this little boy like kissing people's hands in class? That's not exactly. behavior to begin with. Exactly. Um, and like, it, yeah, this, yeah, go ahead. I think it, a lot of, and we did an interview with a parent, uh, her name is Kim Hill. Um, and she talked a lot about how her son in, uh, in the lower grades was always seen as the aggressor, always seen as, you know, the, the troublemaker, uh, even going to say a teacher who, um, gave the class all, they weren't supposed to have homework and gave the class all homework but cut and came back into the classroom and blamed it specifically on this little boy, right? One of the only black kids in the grade, right? How traumatic is that, right? And, and it's experiences, you know, you just gave three experiences that if anyone were, were to experience one of those experiences, they could be traumatized for a long time, right? And you going through these and a myriad of others, I'm sure, does the school take in take that into consideration when you get older and you're dealing with things that lead to your expulsion, right? Does, I would wonder, does the school take that into consideration or are they just like, ah, she's expendable? 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, my feeling, and that's the thing. I was a kid, and I'm only privy to so much, so I'll never know. But I know how I left feeling that experience, and I felt like I was expendable. And I felt like, oh, I am now a problem child, and I, because I couldn't take care of myself, which was, like, the line that was said to me, um, like, I wasn't worthy of any support. Um, and I'm sure they're going to say that like they provided support through the advisory program and through like my teachers and like you can talk to anybody and like they you know sure they provided all of those things but it's like I couldn't trust anybody at that school I couldn't find myself relating to any of those teachers in a way Um, and like every once in a while you'd come around you know I I remember my fifth and sixth grade teacher Susan Mellon was a dream because she listened to me finally somebody listened to me and yeah. made and gave me flexibility around things that I struggled with. Um, if you don't know me, you might not know. Um, I I have a younger brother who is a pain in my ass, but also one of my best friends. Um, mm-hmm. But growing up, he had um, he was diagnosed on the spectrum growing up, and he had some very severe, intense behavioral issues. Yeah. Right. And it took up all my mom's time and all my mom's energy. Um, and it created an environment at home that was like really rough. I mean, imagine like my, your little brother comes after you. He's trying to kill you like every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, thank God that he had the resources and he had, you know, the things that he had. And I, I don't fault my mother for any of that either. Like she, she worked her ass off her entire life to make sure that we had everything we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, I just found that experience and like over and over again of being kind of like pushed aside because, yeah. You know, yeah so and that's, and that's such a, I want to talk a little bit. You said the word listen, right. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because I think we do so little of that. And a lot of times going back to the house experience, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you how much do you think people actually listen right like i'm talking about the fills and all of that how much they listen to experiences like that and what what can be done right because it's obviously absurd to say you know we'll, we'll take all of the, the houses away and just do it in the pac and keep all of the poor folk from you know yeah. being in the house but it's like <clears throat> do the parents actually listen do people wealthy people right these people who don't have to care who feel like they're already doing you a service doing us a service by by just paying their tuition and and you know adding to the endowment do they do they listen right how do yeah. we get them to listen yeah and and not just listen to fix to get back to normal but listen to actually create and catalyze like yeah. real positive change I mean, it depends on the goals of the institution at the end of the day. If you want to rewind all the way back to the beginning history of the Little Red Schoolhouse, Mm -hmm. you would know that it was originally an experiment with public school system. It was a joint private public venture. Mm -hmm. Um, People went into it and basically Elizabeth Irwin's goal was to prove that we could take progressive education and we could disseminate it and make it possible to have it all over the city have it all over to change the way that we think about schooling in general yeah and you know I very much felt a part of that when I went to that school my mother used to tell me that she used to sit on the in this you know in the 70s used to sit on the stoop of Little Red and hope that I would get to go to a school like that one wow yes she lived across the street on Bleecker Street and she used to sit and be like this is this is excellent this is where we need to be going and 
I just want to know like where we lost that thread because that's what it feels like to me. It's yeah. like, are you really fighting for the same mission at the end of the day? Yes, you're updating your facilities and like expanding, but you're just expanding just enough to get a few more heads in the room to get a little bit more for your endowment, right? Yeah. Like, are you really trying to take that original thought, that original idea of bringing progressive education to New York City as a whole and running with it? And if you're not, then like take Elizabeth Irwin's name off the school. And exactly. Be a different school. Be a which different is institution. Fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with private schools. They exist. They're going to exist. People are going to want to send their children to them. But like the fact that, you know, if you're going to lead with intention as an, as an institution, you better mm -hmm. back it up. And if you're back not listening to the people that are in your school that are part of that, you know, mm -hmm. mission, then you're not going to do that. But like my feeling and you know, you have a different relationship with Phil, but my feeling always was that like I was kicked out to make room for paying students. And I wow. really felt like it was never said or literally spoken out loud, but why, because why would it be? But yeah. it's like, you aren't performing well enough. Therefore you don't deserve this opportunity. Therefore, mm. you know, good luck. And I don't know if you know how difficult it is to get hit the, the school market with that kind of resume going to the yeah. same private school your whole life first of all fun fact i actually changed my last name um, mm. okay <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of different reasons for that but i changed mm -hmm. my last name on the school records um and they allowed me to do that because it was a private school which created such a nightmare scenario when i got to public school and i had to use my legal name oh wow um so it's like that kind of disconnect of like reality too and it's like they didn't really consider how difficult it is for to incoming juniors to to get enrolled in any public school period they, they don't yeah. want to. i got really lucky that i ended up where i did um Wow. And that's because my mom helped me like hustle my talent. Thank you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making me put myself out there. But wow. you know, they kind y'all go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I I'm just wondering because I I feel like we've had similar uh school experiences in a lot of ways, right? Because uh, I didn't pay uh all that that I would not. I would be like, Ma, why would you ever? <laughs> why no. would you ever pay? No. I think I know back then it wasn't as much, but I think he said 48000 now per year. I'd be like, just take me out of school and just invest. Let me start a business or something, you right? Save like, it for college, Mom. You like, save it for something, yeah. right? Like <laughs> a, a year. But anyway, we both weren't paying the full thing. And um, we both were seen as problem kids, right? I, I don't, whew, those first couple of years were woof. We love uh, you. We love you, <laughs> and you are who you are because of it. So don't hate on yourself. That, for that's it. a that's a fact. That's a fact. But I, I also feel like where our experiences differed is um, I was a little bit more huh, ushered in to certain circles, uh, coming so late in the experience and having the opportunity to link up with uh certain people right like the shans and the henrys okay. and people that were already in certain circles so i was a little bit kind of like ushered into it so i didn't need to do all the work yeah. um uh but you know you had this history and you had you know you had just set friends but it, it was like you didn't deal with all of the I, again i don't want to say names but you don't want to you yeah. didn't deal with all of the 
really wealthy set of girls that we know and we won't say their name on yeah that, but i'm sure they know if they listen to us who they are yes um how especially before i got there how is dealing with people kids that have a lot of money and are coming into the realization that they have money right because they're you get it you hit a point where it's like oh i have more money than people right yeah it's it's weird and it's like this slow process of kind of like waking up very slowly right wow. like when you're a little kid you just know that you're being othered you and that's that's the feeling and then that's that sets you up for you know not wanting to really rejoin that group first of all but it, where does that start and it's like you have to think about so many different things right like parents with money they tend to love to follow trends you see like a lot of pinterest parents out there and like when you have yeah. money you want the flashy thing you want the upper baby but also it comes to like how you dress and outfit your children and how you present them to the school place right and yes. you you know kids notice when they have the same kind of stuff on and when like oh we all went to limited two and went on a shopping spree and we all have the same branded stuff where i'm sitting here and like my ratty like boy cousins and i'm like yeah. okay i'm never gonna be a part of that I found out later on in my life that um, I have four brothers all in all, but one of my older brothers was actually really instrumental in making sure that I didn't value those things. Um, yeah. And I'm really grateful for him for that. But, Which is good. Yeah. Because right? that could eat you up inside. But a great example, I remember I was, I don't know if it was seventh grade or eighth grade, mm -hmm. um, but I... At, at the time we had like what you'd think was a live-in nanny but really we were harboring uh, somebody <laughs> an illegal immigrant if you will gotcha. um, who also like provided child care for me and my brother she had some cool stuff and one mm -hmm. day you know she and like mind you this was not some bougie setup like her and i were sleeping in the same bed mm. <laughs> um it was very much like a big sister little sister relationship and one day i just without thinking grabbed one of her sweaters off the rack Mm -hmm. um, and I just go to school it's a balmy day I get there and all of a sudden all of those girls in that group are like "Ooh, Marianne I love your sweater yeah. wow it's so cute that's Lacoste when did you get that so it's a very like subversive like yeah. you know it's a very like snickering it's a very unspoken thing at least yeah. for being like a girl in that experience or being you know I, I, it's funny. I always, and it makes no, it makes absolutely no sense now, Mariana, but I had a, a CD Walkman, kids, this existed when we were younger. <laughs> I had the CD Walkman and I remember a specific person um, in our grade, in eighth grade was like, oh, you should really get an iPod. That's, that's like so much cooler. And mind you, this is when it first dropped. And mind you, this is eighth grade. And mind you, you know, we weren't, uh, you know, we weren't spending money like that. If yeah. I asked my for iPods, she would laugh in my face. Laugh me out the room. <laughs> <laughs> laugh me out the damn room. And excuse my language. And they, and so what I concocted was, oh, yeah, I have one, but my mom just won't let me take it out the house. <laughs> just to right? get that, just to have that kind of social currency, like we felt almost I know I felt a lot of times like I either had to keep up or had to make an excuse why I wasn't keeping right up, right I, I had to justify you know definitely relate to that too and yeah 
it's 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 crazy too like having one of those like tokens of richness it does ingratiate yeah. you for like a short period of time like i but the example that i was calling back with my brother kind of trying to protect me from that is one of my cousins bought a louis vuitton bag um she's like 10 years older than me she's in her 20s at the time and yeah. she gave me like the little wallet thingy that came in it mm -hmm. um looking back it was probably fake but what did I know? What did we know? What did we know, right? But I remember coming to that thing all of the time and being yeah. like, oh my God, okay, yes, this is like my shield from being made fun of for now. Yeah. <laughs> and people would come and like ask me a question about it. Like, oh, where'd you get that? And like, oh my yeah. God, you gave it to me. Oh, it's really cute. And like, that would be the extent of any interaction I had with most of those folks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, I do think I was privileged that I came so late and I entered how I entered because I got a taste of pretty much every kind of circle. I didn't deal too much with the people that we, we were talking about just now, yeah. but uh, except through, you know, these guys, but I started off with, you know, uh, DU, if you know the, the initials of what I'm, mm -hmm. you know, who I'm talking about. So, and, and that's really how I got introduced to Henry and that's where it all started. But uh, I spent a, a, a very large portion of that first year just hanging out with different groups of people and, yeah. and, and, and being able to to foster those relationships and, and those authentic relationships with people, not because they had money or because I like I had anything to offer, right? Yeah. But as I got into high school <clears throat> and people were more realizing what they could and couldn't buy and what they could and couldn't afford, I felt more of a pressure. And not only that, Mariana, not only just uh, like material things that you clutch onto, but opportunities to education right like if i was failing a class or if i was doing bad in a class i had to sit down in my room for a couple of hours and bust those books whereas another person would be like oh i'm gonna get a tutor or yeah. oh i'm gonna have some privatized uh boosters for my education right and we didn't have access to that a lot of no. times no no i mean hell i didn't have a fucking quiet space to go home to most of the time you exactly. know exactly and, you know, like I did have a teacher from that experience who heard me and allowed me that flexibility. But after outside of those two years, I did not. And I, I received like very sim little sympathy for my home situation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I also experienced like within my own friend group um, being othered by them because, you know, I was such a social pariah over the years that like mm -hmm. I wouldn't get invited to a party. I wouldn't get, you know, yeah. welcomed into these things where it's like you were there i saw it it was on facebook <laughs> and it was it was weird because like that was supposed to be my like number one lifelong friend yeah. um but like her struggling with that identity in and of herself being like kind of midway between the between. ultra uber rich and like you know me who's not that uh <laughs> and it's and you know it's also because i said this on the the um lrei the first lrei episode that i did right i mm -hmm played the devil's advocate and I said, what about just the kids who are jerks? Because for, for a very long time, I was a jerk, right? I was a, a jerky kid for, for a little bit. I'm glad that people can't see this video she, she, so they don't see a reaction to that. But, right. <laughs> um, I, but there, there is a space when, you know, we're kind of, I don't, I don't know if this is the right millennial term to use, you can correct me. <laughs> but if, you know, we're gaslit into thinking that behaviors are, are okay and we're called to oh, how do i say this because this and this when you said what you said in the meeting right mm -hmm. it hurt me 
because it made me think about my role, right? I'm not a, I wasn't a rich kid, but how many times was I there for the kids that also were in my same position, right? Yeah. Kids that didn't have the ear of, or didn't have, weren't cool with all people. How many times was I an advocate, right? Um, how do you get to the place where you get over all of the jerky kids, right? Or get all of the jerk, go get over all the jerky moments, the kids or whatever, but the moments, the ideas, right? How do you get over that? I mean, it's just knowing who you are and, and feeling solid in yourself first and foremost, like you, you know, and that's one of the things I will congratulate for myself for as a kid. It's like, I had also had these brilliant moments where I would just be like, fuck no. And like, I remember this one week of going and taking my lunch tray and just sitting with those girls every day and be like, I'm going to sit with you today. And yeah. they're like, yeah, and I did it for a week straight. Nobody said a word to me. They pretended I didn't exist, but I did it. And I said, I can sit wherever I want in the cafeteria. Yeah. Not that you guys were telling me no, but it's like, you're not making me feel welcome. So it's exactly. like, I have to be in your space so much. Like, yeah. I have to change myself and the way I talk and the way I, you know, to be in your space. So it's yeah. like, I'm going to be in your space, you know? Exactly. It's so cr- one of the One of the curators, uh, one of the associate curators, Brooklyn Museum, one of my good friends, um, Carmen, had this beautiful quote that I use for my Women's Week, right? Uh, and it spoke about the trailblazers, right? The people who don't get as much recognition, right? Now, you know, we the, the culture is kind of in this state, like the whole country, I guess, the whole social media, right? The whole generation is in this kind of progressive state and this kind of activism state. And everyone is are using these buzzwords and things of that nature, right? Before, we didn't have that. Before... Uh, you know, when we were going to LREI, it was like, it was old LREI. It was like, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of bummy looking LREI, right? Yeah. And we didn't have all of those words to express, right? Um, but I, I, I want to congratulate you for doing that, right? Because you are a trailblazer in that. You are a person who stood out and stood out unapologetically. I, I remember right? There were very few people who were willing to stand out unapologetically. And for us, for the cowardly folk that uh, acquiesced to a lot of the the social demands, right? Uh, We thank you because years removed, like 10 years, 15 years removed, we realized that you were the right one, right? We realized that you were the justified one. Yeah. yeah, Talk talk a little bit about, because I still don't know how you found that strength and how I mean, you, you do because you have to, you know, it, it's something that it's, it's a survival thing. Right. And it's something that you do because if I didn't, then that would just eat me alive because there was no escaping my situation. And not only that, it was like, I, I knew that I had to adapt because my mom, God bless her, really, really wanted me to stay in that school. even knowing how socially difficult it was for me she saw that it was such a wonderful opportunity in the launching pad and you know it it was a huge disappointment that I didn't get to graduate from there because think about the differences and opportunities I would have had um but yeah you you just I also was happy to be taught at home like just be who you are and be yourself and and you know forget what everybody else thinks about you um which, you know, it takes, it takes a little bit of bravery. It also takes a little bit of like, 
who cares? Who cares what you think? Um, and, you know, especially when it comes to saying and doing the like right things, mm-hmm. it comes naturally in those moments, right? Because you're in touch with yourself, you're in touch with who you are, you're grounded in what you believe right and wrong to be. And it's, it, I can't fault you for getting swept up in any of that stuff either, right? Because we're kids and we're learning who we are. And I also have to point out the fact that like throughout my life, I went through a lot of very huge traumatic things. So I have that foundation of like growing up too fast and like, you know, you you meet a kid and you say, Oh, that's an old soul. Well, Mm. I say that kid has been through some shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. It's when you see somebody like me who seems so strong and self-assured and all this stuff. And it's like, no, you have to understand the flip side of that of like all of the things that I had to build up on to get to that place. Um, Yeah. Wow. That because you had to yeah like that's so profound in a way that i can't really that's really ineffable right now it's just hitting me right like yeah. we don't do things because we necessarily want to you know i'm sure you wanted to you know make your mom whatever but you had to have to keep going you have to keep pushing and, and sitting at tables that aren't necessarily made for you or not necessarily prepared for you, but you're going to sit anyway because you feel like yeah. you have to. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of my like behavior through that process too of exposure, like I, I was kind of being very proud about it as a kid. Like I, and especially because like the rhetoric that we were given is like, you know, communities support each other. And, you know, when somebody's down and out, you go and help them. And it's like, no, like, I'm going to sit on that ideology. And I'm going to say, no, like, I, I'm doing bad. And like, if you guys don't want to find out, and you want to like, kick me out. Well, I've made up my mind about your ideology, and you're not sticking to it. And that it is what it is. In a community that builds itself on social justice and and helping people, right? Someone is waving the the flag for help and the response was to just cut them loose yeah wow and i think that that happens to way too many people in not just in lrei but in the world as well right we say that we're quote unquote good people we say that we want to help people but as soon as it's time to actually test that out as soon as it's time to actually like put our put pen to paper and actually make some changes or, or do some things in our community, we fall short so many times. And yeah. And a lot of times I look like, I look at those situations and like, is, why is that person making that choice? And sometimes like every time you make that choice, it's a value judgment, right? Like my time is not worth this. I, I, you know, I could invest the time into this and that's okay to say sometimes, sometimes that's necessary. You say, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have it in me. This is not for me. But mm-hmm. if you're, you know, whole thing is we're there for you. <laughs> like you have yeah. to make the space for that. Um, and if you're not capable of doing that, well, then you have to just turn an ear and listen and figure out how you can be doing those things. Um, that brings me to, um, and we don't have to talk about the, the specifics of it. Sure. Um, but how we became uh, reacclimated a couple of weeks ago um so this platform i always say is a platform to do good in people's lives as the as the name suggests and uh all of that 
But like, like we just talked about, it's one thing to say something, but it's another thing to practice it. Yeah. And it's another thing to listen to people who uh, feel like the good mission is being taken down a path that isn't so good. And we all get into a way where we think what we're doing is so right and so righteous and so correct that our ego takes over and anyone who disagrees is stupid and you don't want to talk to them and, oh, this person just doesn't get it. Turn the phone off, block them, whatever. But Mariana, um, a couple of weeks ago, hipped me to um, some hurtful language that I was using, some hurtful ideas that I had about certain things. And it ended up being a, a like a week of me just doing a lot of self-work and talking to different people about different things and realizing, yo, some of the culture ain't crap, right? I, I'm trying not to curse myself, but you know, so, <laughs> you know, we, 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 you know, uh, some of the, some of the, the ideas that we have, some of the, the, things that we do just are not worth the darn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about um, how you felt in that moment. What drew you to uh, standing up and how you were able to have a conversation with someone that you like may have thought was, was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were an idiot. I never, I never like come from that perspective either. Like anytime I, I do open my mouth and, and, and say something to somebody, I'm like, this person is not an idiot. They're worth my time. And I want to talk to them about this and make <laughs> sure that. Um, that like, I can be on the same page with you because there's love there, you know? Yeah. Um, so what we were talking about is like the whole world of sex work and kind of how that is portrayed in the media and basically what that means in terms of womanhood and in terms of like how women operate in the world right and you were saying some pretty anti-ho stuff mm -hmm. and i had <laughs> i had a moment <laughs> to just be like no let's think about it mm -hmm. because when it's okay to not want that in your life in your relationships in your sphere like you know if, you, if that's not your thing like i feel it that's, that's totally fine mm -hmm. uh it's not okay to tell somebody that they're wrong for doing that or being that way um, and number one reason is because they already exist. Yeah. <laughs> you that's, have to pay respect yeah. to that, right? Yeah. And number two is like, there, there's no need to create more stigma around anything, right? Because if we're going to accept something like sex work and sex workers, which I a thousand percent believe we should, mm -hmm. because they already exist, like I said. That's, like that's like I said, thing. it's like they're, yeah. they're they, it's the oldest profession and it, yeah. it still exists in spite of you know culturally all of the stigma around it for a reason and because mm -hmm. you know in some instances i do believe it provides healing it provides intimacy it provides the normalization of desire which is something that is really important um and it helps you know lift the burden of feeling shameful about something that is you shouldn't feel shameful between anything between two consenting adults mm -hmm bless it it's fine it's not my business first of all and you know it's not my business yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um but it's just important to point out toxicity where toxicity really is right like is is a woman embodying her sexuality and speaking explicit in explicit language about her sexuality harmful or is the the follow-up attitudes that mm. maybe are, are 
still fitting into a patriarchal mindset are those the really the harmful things mm. right like in order for us to protect sex workers and to make sure that they are safe have resources um you can do something called harm reduction which is the participation in systems that you know okay if you are going to make the decision to do something that is potentially harmful how do we reduce that harm um, mm -hmm. And sex workers has so much to teach us about all of this, these concepts too. So it's like, my approach is always from one of like, how can I better understand this thing that scares the crap out of me? Or how can I better understand this thing that makes me really uncomfortable? And how can I go straight to the source and talk to somebody who's been there? Or, you know, how can I see another perspective? Maybe, you know, you have that experience of knowing one facet of it and seeing the pain behind it, right? Um, but you know, there's pain and joy and everything in the world and you have to be able to fully understand a topic to be able to accept, well, maybe this is a good thing for some people. Yeah. Um, and also keep in mind that sex workers, a lot of them are activists and a lot of them are out there pushing, fighting for not just their own rights, but everybody's rights because it, it ripples throughout the community. Right. And so, I love that. I, I, I love, uh, that you say, how, how can you, how can you change it? Well, not change it, but how can you be a, a light in someone's life if you don't even understand where they're coming from, right? How can you be good if you don't understand it? Um, yeah. And that's what I had to shift. And I had to really, you know, take a beat and say, yo, sit down and shut up. And it's not, you know, we, we live in a time now where everyone has these and these phones and, you know, they have the comment section and everyone is an expert because they have, you know, they can repost memes all day and they can, you know, whatever. Um, but not a lot of people listen. And I think it takes voices like yours to um, to be that girl at the table, right? Yeah. Who refuses to get up and says, I have something to say, uh, even if you don't want to hear it. And I thank you for it. And I also thank you for how you said it, how you approached, how you uh, didn't leave the conversation, because I'll say it now, like, you know, whatever. I had the conversation with a person who um, uh, just embodied the, the, what I was talking about in terms of the appropriation of it all and, and just, yeah. you know, th that side of it. And they got mad. And this was a person that was going to, go 50 50 on the brand with me yeah. right and you know it the conversation got so toxic that you know we just split right um but i i appreciate the way that even if we didn't agree with each other it always went back to a place of respect and a place yeah. of of hearing right um maybe that is something that came out of did that come out of lrei or what just the right. just just the calmness of it all, because I know my household. My mom, when I got home and we were, I was talking at Kumbaya. Let's just sit down and talk it out. She was like, "Get the hell in your room!" <laughs> Before I oh my God. like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, where does that come from? Where does that that poise of of conversation come from? I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, something I should actually really reflect on. Like, where did I where did I get my penchant for like? talking the way I talk and being the way I am. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it is a critical thinking approach that was taught to me in school, absolutely, of like, mm -hmm. how do you 
really objectively or try to objectively dissect something, right? Um, but it's also like just my experience of throwing myself in a bunch of different situations and yeah. forcing myself to talk to a bunch of different kinds of people yes. and understanding like, again, like coming back to what I was first saying, it's like building that bridge of understanding and not saying like, you need to come over here and my side, but it's like, where, where are we going to meet in the middle? Cause no, like we're different people. We're going to have different values. We're going to see different values in, in how to operate and what we accept and what we don't accept. But like, where's the bridge of understanding? Like, okay, but at least we can agree on these basic things and that moves us forward and truly progresses us together in a way yeah. that like we, we can create that harmony. Um, Yes, that's so, and I, I, you know, just the fact that you say, you know, that comes from, in part at least, talking to a a bunch of different people and being in a bunch of different situations, right? Uh, That's what we want to do here, right? Yeah. And I always big up, I always appreciate people where they deserve it, right? The brand, whatever it becomes, will not, will not would not exist how it will exist and how big it gets if it wasn't for that conversation, if it wasn't for you. So from the bottom of my heart, I really, really do appreciate you, Mariana, because that it it made me see things in a way where it was, the world is not Kyle centric. And though Kyle (laughs) does think that he knows a lot, I I don't know as nearly as much as I think that I know and nearly as much as I should know. So it takes great people like you being patient and, and being willing to, to talk i would throw that right back at you though like it was very refreshing to have a conversation with somebody who finally is like oh i hear you I'm like, oh, yeah God, thank you for really <laughs> giving me the time of day on this and really respecting my opinion because you just must have seemed like you and that's the thing it's like do you want it like you have your own personal experiences with that topic right and it's like you could have been like yeah i know what i'm talking about i've already lived with it i'm gonna brush you off because i know better and it's like mm-hmm no that's not how it works and i learned you know we learn things from each other and like it's it moving forward is just about openness and communication i think that's why what you're doing is a really good thing and why i'm such a fan of you thank you Yes. My friend, my friend, uh, right now, not not a couple right years now. ago, right? Now. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I'm still watching you. <laughs> my friend Gemini always says, "What's the next play?" So yeah. I want to ask, right? And and speaking of uh, people seeing you and being heard, right? What mm-hmm. is the next play? You talked about this business you're starting. Tell us a little bit about it. When can we support it? When can we throw our love and support behind it and our dollars it's behind it? It's still very like nebulous in my own mind right now because I am okay. going through like a very I'm making like, and I'm sure we're going to have like personal conversation after this and we'll catch up in terms of like socially what's been going on with me. But like, Mm -hmm. I, I have a lot of healing work to do and it involves a lot of like patience and sitting on your ass and just feeling the things and screaming Mm -hmm. them out. So I've been doing that and I will continue to be doing that. Um, But yeah, no, I found, I actually had like a 10 year long career in the hospitality industry. I worked my way up from barista to like a training and development manager um uh for a restaurant group in california um and most of that growth was all in california um i know i don't brag a lot but like i'm I'm somebody um but yeah i but that was part of my problem too is like i worked so hard and and kicked my own ass so hard that like i never got the time to rest and recuperate um so i'm going through that process that healing process right now and, and you know it's i'm fortunate to have the space to do that and i'm grateful to have the space to do that um, in terms of my artwork, I've always been an artist, you know this. Mm-hmm. Um, Great artist. Thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> That's the other thing I was mad at Ellery about. If you ever asked my mother, she's like, they still had her art up after they kicked her out. They kept her art they up for did. years. They I know, did. and I'm still That's salty so about crazy. that. Yeah. And like, yo, like, pay me if I don't go there anymore. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and that was just like the cherry on the cake. Like, you're happy to celebrate me when I make you look good, right? But yeah. Whatever. Um, but Organism. I realized through my journey in the restaurant world and beyond, um, mm-hmm. I would find myself just like drawing chalkboards all the time, like of the menu specials and everything. Yeah. Um, and I would find it's it was super meditative for me. And it's, it was always just like, once I did it, I felt so much better. And I my performance at work went better. I'm like, maybe this is what I should be doing. Yeah. Um, so people need chalkboards for like menus and weddings and things like that. Stay tuned. Maybe one I love that. My, my stuff's together um but yeah i have i have a good little stock of of supplies right now and i'm just practicing listen if anyone needs any art right and if you're in can they see your art anywhere Mm, i occasionally post things on my instagram but i'm working on my my partner is also an artist uh okay we're both working on getting our social media art game together so okay now just follow my regular and stay tuned so we're gonna we're gonna tag you in that uh on the episode, because I definitely, as a person who has experienced Mariana's art, I definitely think that y'all should keep up with it. Um, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. It's so nice to talk to you. And it's incredible It is amazing to talk to you. Listen, yeah. it, guys, y'all are not going to get this on the day that we recorded, obviously, but it's a Friday evening. So I appreciate you, Mariana, for uh, sharing a little bit of your Friday evening with me. You know, a lot of people are out and about and enjoying summer. I'm not. I'm stuck in here all all day, <laughs> chopping these I'm fables. I'm being pandemic safe. My mom is a registered nurse, and she has thoroughly scared the crap out of me. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying inside. Yeah, let, um, let air air five. That's how yeah, we're gonna seriously. do. Boom. <laughs> but right? um, I, I'm no. I'm sure that we will continue our talks, and I'm sure that this will not be your last time on the platform because we love you over here. Uh, guys, y'all stay put. I got some business to handle with you. Mariana, you stay put. I got some business to handle with you. Uh, and I'll talk to you guys in a minute. All right. Peace. Good people. Sometimes I forget how fulfilling a conversation can be, right? How enlightening, how enthusing, how nourishing a conversation can be. I think in this time where the world is right now, we have to be looking ever vigilant for conversations that are nourishing. Conversations that feed us, conversations that grow us, conversations that change us, conversations that help us, conversations that make us aware that we don't know everything and we still got work to do. We still have a lot of self work to do, but it is worth it if we listen. If we listen, thank y'all for being here as always. Um, please follow us and follow Mariana and all that good stuff. Come on, say it with me, guys. Think good, see good, do good, but most importantly, be good. Peace.
Good people, don't forget to follow Finding Good Times at Finding Good Times on all platforms, at Finding Good Times on all available platforms, and of course, FindingGoodTimes.com. Keep following, keep sharing, keep reposting, most importantly, keep being good. Love y'all.